Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. You know, I'll tell you what, I love talking to young people, especially young people who are pursuing their dreams. And I, you know, I'm just going to cut to the chase. You guys are going to love today's podcast guest. We have Rachel Ellard from Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine. She is currently in vet school. She has uh, one year left. We actually found each other. You're going to find out through the interview through Instagram. I saw her page. We started following each other. And then she posted, I think it was a photo of her and a heart beast, which is a type of antelope in South Africa. And I was hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, we have to get you on the show. And she eagerly agreed to do it. And I just had such a good time talking to her. I know we have a lot of people young listeners or people in college, you know, uh, pursuing an animal related field. A lot of that, some of you are pursuing veterinary medicine. And so this is a very good interview for those of you who are in vet school now or who want to pursue a career being a veterinarian. She gives you a lot of great tips in this interview. I'm one of those people. I love like all the behind the scenes stuff. Like how did you land that internship? Or do you have any study tips or what can you recommend to the listeners? So there's just a lot of great value and a lot of great insight in this interview. For those of you who are listening and you're like, Corbin, I'm old. I'm not going to vet school. I already have a job. Well, listen, you're going to love this interview just the same because she talks about some amazing experiences studying abroad in South Africa. She talks about her encounters, learning how to dart animals, including giraffes, which is really cool. She also talks about volunteering abroad in Thailand, meeting an Asian elephant, also talking to local villagers and educating them about rabies with cats and dog. So it's just like I said, a bunch of awesome information in here. Before we get to the interview, as always, make sure to subscribe to the show uh, wherever you listen to it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Pandora, CorbinMaxi.com. Make sure to subscribe. Please leave a rating and review. I I just love hearing from you, especially like, thank you. You know, some of you will reach out to me and, you know, say, hey, you know, I love the show or, hey, I'm in college. The show is helping me get through just some tough times. I mean, honestly, I love hearing from you. So thank you for those messages of encouragement. The whole reason why I do this show is I love talking about animals, but I love talking to passionate people about animals and I love sharing that information. So when I hear even little things that are like, hey, I love the show or, hey, I learned so much from this person or, hey, this helped me get through this. I love it. So continue to send those messages and leave it in a review because it really helps get the show out there. Also, make sure to follow our social handles at Corbin Maxi to see even more behind the scenes, you know, content, you know, images, videos and stuff. Also, if you want to support the show, anything helps, you know, to help with sound equipment, web hosting, web fees, whatever. This obviously is a self-funded show. If you do want to give back to the show, you can head on over to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash animals to the max. All right, you guys, let's get to it. Please welcome Rachel Ellard from Texas A&M College of Veterinarian Medicine. I am so excited today. Seriously, I'm so excited today because we have Rachel Ellard from Texas A&M University. She is a veterinarian student. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. And can you show me your emotional support animal? Yes, here I have Lucy. She's a blue-eyed leucistic ball python. (gasps) Oh, she's beautiful. How old? Oh my gosh. How old is, how old is Lucy? 
She's about a year and a half years old right now. A year and a half. Oh my gosh, she has some Maybe good... two. I, I, yeah, maybe two. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, she's a beautiful oh, man. Okay, Lucy puts my two ball pythons to shame. I just have normal phases, okay? I'm just a normal type of a guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love the normal types too. That was the first one I ever had. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, listen, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we actually met each other through Instagram. Yes, we did. And I loved your feed and you posted a photo in South Africa. And I remember, I remember seeing it. I was like, oh my God, why have I not invited you on the podcast? And so, (laughs) and then I looked at your blog and I was so impressed with your blog and realized you did some work in Thailand and then obviously South Africa that I just mentioned. And you're currently a vet student. And we have a lot of listeners who want to Mm -hmm. become a veterinarian and you're young and you're in it right now. And I think you could give our listeners some great advice. So I'm so happy you came on. Oh, I'm glad you had me. Um, I love giving advice to prospective students just because I know I was a little bit lost during the application process and any help would have been, you know, greatly appreciated. So I I know the struggle. (laughs) Yeah. And I love this blog post that I read last night. It said how I got into vet school without finishing my undergrad, which we don't want to get into that just yet. But I love that because I was like, oh, my God, this is great information. Yeah, it really is. I'd love to talk about that more. Yeah. So Rachel, have you always wanted to be a vet? I kind of did. You know, when I was little, I always wanted to be a vet. Then as I got older, I kind of dabbled in other things. Like, you know, I really liked science. Maybe I wanted to go into research, you know, do something with animals that way. Um, For a little while, I considered human medicine, but that didn't really go anywhere. So, and then I just decided, you know, vet school and I can continue doing research with animals. So it's kind of like a win-win that way. So you figure out you want to be a vet and are you just ready mm-hmm. to just get into the career path? So you're just trying to jumpstart. You wanted to try to apply basically before you got your undergrad. So I kind of found out by accident that you could apply to vet school without finishing an undergraduate degree. Um, I knew I wanted to get through all my prerequisites as quickly as possible, just because that's kind of how it was set up at my university. Um, I could, you know, always take my intro to jazz class last if I needed to, but <laughs> I wanted to make sure I could pass my, you know, bio classes and chemistry classes first. And then as I was looking up the requirements, um, I noticed that some veterinary schools don't require the degree. So I kind of just jump started that, like you said, and did all my prerequisites up, up front so that, you know, hey, I could apply the first year and if I don't get in, then a lot of the vet schools um, tell you, like, oh, this is what you need to improve upon. And then I could do that my fourth year and fix that for the next time I apply. Mm-hmm. And, how- and then so when I applied, it just happened that I got in the first time. So didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's because you had a great GPA, right? And of course, research mm-hmm. and all that stuff under your belt. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it, I believe. Yeah. So you're so young, though. I mean, do you just have a young face? Are you secretly like 50 years old or something? I don't know. (laughs) I I am one of the youngest people in my class. Um, There are some vet students that, you know, applied, you know, three, four times to get in. There's some vet students that had normal jobs and then decided to go back to school. So there's, you know, there's some people in my class that are a lot older than me. You know, I, I do have kind of a young face too. So that kind of takes away sometimes. Yeah. So when you want to become a vet, 
were you always thinking, because your Instagram handle is the exotic pet vet, which I love, by the way, if you're listening to this right now, please stop what you're doing. Not if you're driving, but if you aren't driving, go and follow her exotic pet vet. Was it always exotics growing up or did you go through a cat and dog phase? I was always exotics. Um, my family just has loved animals uh, growing up. Like we always had a bird, a frog or some sort of exotic pet um, with us. Um, I actually, um, I got my first snake because my dad got me, um, a bird for Christmas or something. And the bird imprinted on my dad. It was, you know, sweet cockatiel, but he had, you know, been working with it for a couple weeks beforehand. So ended up hating me, hating <laughs> anyone but my dad. And so they're like, okay, well, you know, how about a snake? You know, snakes tolerate everyone equally. So yeah. that's how my love of reptiles happened. Oh my gosh. And how old were you at that point? Oh, I maybe like 10 years old, eight years old, maybe. Wow. Was it a, was it a ball python? Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. That's what normal I'm, ball python. I'm telling people those are the best beginner mm-hmm. snakes. They're like, that was probably they one really of my favorite snakes too. So you wanted to go exotic. Was it mainly reptiles regarding the exotics or did you want to do the whole span? Was there a particular, Yeah. okay, the whole span? I wanted to do everything. Um, you know, I still love birds a lot. It's, you know, I don't have any just because they're a lot more high maintenance than reptiles, so it's hard to have while in college. But I love birds. I love pocket pets, you know, rabbits. Like, one day I want a rabbit if once I get a house. Um, you know, I also love dogs and cats, but I realized after working with them in a veterinary setting that I just don't like working with them as much. I, oh. I prefer to work with the exotics. Really? Why, what did you not, can I dig in deeper? What did you not like about it? I'm just, just out of pure curiosity. Um, you know, I, I had a couple dog bites and oh. those were kind of scary. Yeah. And just, you know, I love, you know, puppies and dogs and cats and kittens, of course, are the best. But, you know, when you see them come in when they're, you know, really angry or hurt or upset, sometimes they're hard to work with. And, you know, exotic to me that way, too. But, you know, it's, it's different, I think. I'll tell you what, I have a good friend, Mady. She's been on the show. She's a wildlife rehabilitator here in Idaho, and she rescues raccoons, badgers, bats, foxes, mm-hmm. skunks, porcupines, beavers, you name it. And she said the worst animals, she, the worst animal bite she's ever dealt with were dogs and cats. She said, oh, she said yeah. cats are awful. She said they're nothing compared to any of the exotic yeah, animals. Yeah. That's interesting. And I don't blame them. You know, they're scared when they come in, you know, it's their natural response. Um, I just rather work with a snake over a cat that's angry, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, completely acceptable. And I, I still love them all, but I, I prefer working with the exotics. Awesome. Okay. So you're currently at Texas A&M. You decide you, you applied, you were lucky, you were able to get in. For anyone wanting to get into vet school and, and pursue that route, what are your tips? Well, my biggest tip would be to get involved in research. I think that's kind of what set me apart whenever I applied. You know, I don't know for sure, but I like I think that there is a um, lack of um, veterinarians in research right now, and they're really trying to get people interested in that because so much is dependent on research. You know, in, in healthcare, like you need to find new things all the time, and just people don't want to do it. And it's it's so important for building you know your character and your developmental thinking. And if you can get a paper under your belt or just get some, you know, something like a recommendation from a PI, um, which is the um, principal investigator of the lab, 
I think it can really help your chances of getting in because it shows you're you're driven and you're you know ready to work and improve upon science. So okay, yeah. And did you okay? Are you talking about the research you did? So let's just talk about this. You're you did some <laughs> stuff abroad. So are you talking about research you did in yeah. South Africa? Um, I actually did research. Well, I started out at the University of Texas, okay. which was my undergraduate school. I worked in an integrative biology and um, ecology and evolutionary biology research lab, and we worked with fish. We did a lot of uh, sexuality studies um, and mating preference studies, um, behavior. Some of them were drug trials, so they tested drugs on fish. Like, that involved cognition. So, uh-huh. And it's, it's really cool. So that was a lot of lab work. You know, we had you know, basically aquariums, sets of aquariums in the lab, and we'd use them to do research. And then um, my last year of undergrad, they actually were doing some field work in Belize, and they invited me to tag along and help because I just happened to be scuba certified, and they needed um, scuba certified people to do research. So I got to help with a completely unrelated study in Belize, but it was with the same research lab. Wow, Belize. Was that your first time out of the country? Um, no, I've been to a couple places before. But that was my first time to Belize, and it was absolutely beautiful because I hadn't really had that much time to scuba dive before, and you know, here I was contributing to like conservation research and you know some physiology research. It was great. What animals were you working with in Belize or researching? We um, worked a lot with the reef squid and um, some octopus. Um, we did a lot of um, fish studies as well. The barjack, which is a type of um, fish that's found there off the coast. Okay, very interesting. That is so cool. And then, so when do you land in South Africa? Because that's where I'm wanting to get to. I have <laughs> been obsessed with Africa since I was a kid. I've never, I've been to Kenya. I've never been to South Africa, though. South Africa was a dream come true actually um, and that's all that all happened because it was a class offered through Texas A&M wow. and basically one of our professors brings a group of students out there to study conservation medicine so it was a conservation class and we got to I think we spent three weeks there learning how to take care of you know large wildlife like the giraffes the rhino you know every like antelope species of course Wow. And I'll tell you what, you just hit a really big value bomb because I tell people like in college, try to take advantage of any opportunity because I had a professor do the same. He would do a class every semester and, he, you know, we, I went to Africa through my university mm-hmm. at a pretty reduced rate, actually. I mean, it was still expensive, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, you know, um, but I tell yeah. people take advantage of that. Oh, definitely. I would never have the chance to have that opportunity again. Like even if I went back as you know, once I graduate and go on vacation, like you just can't get the same experience as you can as a student, you know, working on wildlife refuge and learning conservation with the professors that go there every year. So it was a really cool opportunity. Mm -hmm. Okay. So tell me, you step the, you you step off the plane in Africa. Mm -hmm. What is your first thought? First thought? Well, I was so excited to be there whenever I first stepped off because I actually had a bunch of plane troubles getting there. My flight was canceled, and I ended up getting there like only a few hours before the bus took us to the game reserve. Uh-huh. And there's one bus because it was, you know, one class that goes there, and the game reserve was uh, maybe five hours away. <gasps> so, yeah, I barely made it, but I did. And so we get to the game reserve, and it's just, it's 
unbelievable. We're on a dirt road in this, you know, rickety little van and an elephant's just like walking right next to us. And, you know, they're completely wild. Like they don't interact with humans at all, but they do, you know, they're not afraid of the, the little vans because, you know, they go around all the time. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's really cool. So you're there with your class. You see an elephant. What are you doing there? Mm-hmm. What What is your mission there? So our mission was to learn as much as possible. Um, we tagged along with a couple of veterinarians that do their normal work there. A lot of the conservation has to do with immobilizing the animals. So mm-hmm. you can't just, you know, go up and work with them like a dog or cat because they're obviously wild. So you have to dart them and, you know, with anesthesia, drugs basically and they go to sleep and then you do your physical exam you do your treatments like you know sometimes we give them anti-parasitic drugs sometimes you know you just checking on them to see how they're doing sometimes actually relocating them to another preserve so that they can spread their genetics and you know kind of um, get more variety Um, so we basically learned how to do that we learned how to dart we had darting practice practice out of a helicopter it was so much fun Really? And, Were you nervous? Yeah. Like, I mean, what was the first animal you ever you ever darted? I actually um, darted. So they didn't allow us to dart any animals ourselves on this trip, just because there were a lot of students and not as many animals to dart, and they wanted to make imagine. sure that they got darted. You know, there yeah. wasn't much. Like we practiced with um, targets, and we for the for the helicopter actually. We, um, they took us one by one up in this helicopter and they had a guy on an ATV with a target on his back and they had him run the ATV and we shot paintball guns out of the, the helicopter. Oh my or, God. Pa- yeah. <laughs> Did anyone like yeah, hit it was him in so the head? Incredible. Anyone hit him in the head or like? Oh, he had a helmet on all the protective oh, I'm stuff, sure, but, but it was really cool. Um, but I did get to dart, um, a fallow deer, um, this past year at another um, event that uh, we were allowed to go. It was like a wet lab for my school and they were doing um, like volunteer service there. So basically oh. we get, we do free care on the animals in return for us getting to do it. Um, so I did get to dart a fallow deer, which was really cool. Wow. Okay. So you're in South Africa. When yeah. I went, okay. When I went to Africa, there was one animal I was like, I have to see. And that was the leopard. Did you have an animal like that that you wanted to see? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I dreamed of seeing the rhinos just because they're such an iconic species. But the, I think the most, actually, once I was there, the most impressive animal that I got to see was the, um, the southern right whale because we went on a whaling trip. Oh, you and, completely took me out of left field. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. We, we took a day trip down to the coast, down towards, I think, Penguin Island or something. Uh-huh. And we went on a um, a whaling trip. Not whaling trip, but whale... Watching? Uh, <laughs> trip. Yeah, yeah, whale watching trip. That's yeah. the word. Um, and there was a southern right whale that came up with her calf. And it was just the coolest thing to be able to see. Um, and that, you know, I wasn't expecting that at all. I didn't even know they existed until I went to South Africa. But... It was definitely the most memorable one. Wow. Okay. I have to tell you what I've seen. Nothing like that. I think it was a gray well I saw off the off the uh, Oregon coast. But I remember it was like, wow, this incredible experience when it like breaches or whatever. But I remember the smell was atrocious. It was like, really? Oh my god! It I mean, it it was like, 
a rotten fish, like the breath of the whale. <laughs> Did you get that experience? I had no idea. No, I didn't smell anything, but oh. yeah, I wasn't really looking for that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, neither were we. It just, it literally took our breath away. I was just like, ah, uh, okay, very <laughs> cool. Okay, I have That's to so did you see wild dogs? We did not. No. Oh, uh, I, I wish we did. That would have been so cool. Okay. What about cheetah? We did. We actually, it was kind of sad because it's a, you know, completely wild reserve. Um, there was actually a mother cheetah that had been killed by lions <gasps> and oh. she had a cubs with her and, you know, luckily we were able to save the cubs. So we, we went out and captured the cubs, um, we actually lured them to us by playing the sound of the mother, mother's voice. But yeah, we, we saw them, but it was kind of an unfortunate circumstance. But you know, that's it, that's what happens when you're completely wild. Like, you know, nature takes its course. Oh, was that your first um, experience dealing with like tragedy in the field? Uh, to that degree, yes. You know, I've seen, you know, dogs and cats come in, but you know, they're not wild like this. So yeah. Yeah, I always, oh, um, I always, I had on some uh, National Geographic filmmakers, Derek and Beverly Jobert, and they've been filming these animals for like thirty years, and they said it's some of the toughest mm -hmm. moments when they film an encounter like that, you know, and just yeah, uh, I couldn't even imagine, heartbreaking. So what happened? Mm -hmm. So what did you guys do with the cheetah cubs? Um, I think they were brought to a re rehabilitator, and they're going to turn into like ambassador animals. Okay. Okay. All right. I have to ask you, Rachel, did you see a leopard? Mm -hmm. We did, um, but it wasn't completely wild. We went to a, um, a wild or a wild cat sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Basically, um, the sanctuary is for the large cats that, you know, were injured or maybe they were in like the circus trade or something and they c can't be released into the wild because they wouldn't survive. And the wildcat preserve, um, they had a couple leopards that were, you know, un, unable to be released, which was sad. But, you know, at least they were getting the care that they deserved at the sanctuary. I think the name of it was Shamori Cat Sanctuary. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Must see if you go there. Yeah. Okay. So you're in Africa <laughs> for two weeks. And mm -hmm. did you just, did that just solidify like you being like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life to be an exotic pet vet? Yeah, it, it was just incredible because, you know, I've worked with wild animals before, you know, I worked with like the wildlife rescue at UT, but they weren't large exotics, you know, they were, you know, owls and possums and snakes, they weren't rhinos and giraffes and, you know, big cats. So it was really cool to see such, you know, that large scale exotics that, you know, we just don't have in the United States. Mm -hmm. Did you... What did you learn from that experience? Like, I'm just curious, like, what it would be like to dart a giraffe? Like, what are you, like, I mean, what did you learn? Like, I mean, where do One, you hit them? Uh, yeah, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, yeah. One of the um, most surprising things that I learned is how dangerous it is. Because, for, first of all, the drugs that you use to dart a giraffe or a large animal like them, are, are it's so concentrated because, one, it has to fit into a, a dart to such a large animal that, you know, it has to be really concentrated drugs in order to do what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And so literally like a drop of the drug that we give them to dart them would kill a human if it got into a person. Really? So 
you know, we have the antidotes nearby, but like, you know, if it sprays into your eyes because under pressure or, you know, if you accidentally stick yourself, like you could be in serious danger. And I had, had no idea it was that dangerous to, you know, just handle darting equipment and darting drugs um, when I first went into it. Mm-hmm. And then also probably when the animals darted itself, right? Were there any close calls? Oh, like, oh, yeah. wow, like this guy's not completely down. <laughs> You're 100% correct. Um, the giraffes, when we darted them, it took an entire team just to hold the giraffe down so it didn't, you know, hurt itself whenever it was falling or whenever it was like, asleep, I guess. Um, and you know, if that draft just places one kick, you know, the wrong way on your head, like, you know, you could be dead. So that was, it's, it's, it's dangerous work, but you know, it's also really fulfilling when you see, when you get to help them. So just got to take a lot of precautions. Were you, was it like a surreal moment being like, oh my gosh, I'm in Africa. I'm touching a giraffe. What in the world? (laughs) For sure. It was just a crazy experience. And uh, what really was fun was um, walking the giraffes. So um, the giraffes that we worked with had to be relocated to a different preserve. And in order to do that, you have to get them onto a trailer. But like I said before, these are completely wild animals. So what you do, you, you put them to sleep, and then they, they lay down, you blindfold them, you put earplugs in their ears, basically take away like their senses so they don't freak out. Mm-hmm. And then you um, let them you know, wake up and they're still kind of like, what's going on? Like, you know, they're blindfolded, they can't hear anything, but they stand up. And then with a bunch of like rope and pulley mechanisms, you kind of guide them into the trailer just on their own accord. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But it, you know, it took like at least like 20, 25 people each working together, like pulling on one side of the rope, relaxing on the other and just guiding the, the giraffe onto the trailer. So it's really cool to see it work, but yeah, it was, it's hard. <laughs> wow. What great experience. That's amazing. So you go to South Africa. Is your next study abroad in Thailand and Vietnam? Yes, that I I got really lucky. So the um, there was an application that just got sent out to my school. They said that um, this event happens like every other year and they bring vet students from all over the world to um, work with vet schools in Vietnam and in um, Thailand, mm-hmm. and um, I applied to it, you know, not really thinking I'd get, get anywhere, but I was like, oh, this seems really cool, you know, it's, it was completely paid for, oh, like, wow, I was like, okay, I can't pass this up, so, yeah, yeah, and I applied, and I made it to, like, the interview stage, I was like, oh, this is cool, like, and I interviewed, and, like, I told them, you know, how much, like, it would mean to me, like, I started learning, you know, some of like Vietnamese and Thai. Oh, and, that's like, smart. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Like during the interview, were you like throwing out some like Vietnamese slang? Like, you know? <laughs> um, no, I didn't. Um, the interviewers actually um, were vet students that went previously. So they didn't speak Thai or Vietnamese, but oh my God. Um, yeah, is, it would have been cool. That's so and, funny. And um, yeah, and so. Um, I actually, I just ended up being one of the few that were picked, and I got to meet vet students from all over the world, um, you know, somewhere from France, somewhere obviously from all of the Asian countries, um, you know, there's some Amsterdam, like, it was really cool getting to just work with people and vet students from, like, different cultures. Yeah, what was that like? I mean, that, 
is there a could you tell the difference like i'm just like there had to have been a huge difference right from working with yeah. students around the world one of the um, biggest surprises for me was finding out just the disparity between the amount of debt that vet students take on around the world. Um, the U.S. actually has one of the highest um, debt-to-income ratios of veterinary students because um, in the U.S. you have to usually do an undergrad and then apply for vet school. While a lot of the other countries, it's a five-year program, but they can go straight into vet school from high school. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's... It's um, different for them, and they don't, you know, they obviously go to school for less amount of time, and they get, you know, they take out less debt, so it's it's really different, because I was actually older than a lot of the vet students in this program, because they, they started vet school when they were 18. Yeah, what is that? Okay, so four years for your undergrad. Is vet school eight mm -hmm. years? Is that typical? Is it eight years? So vet school is four years. If you want to be a general practice vet, you usually just do four years of vet school and then you're done. If you want to specialize like I do, you have to do a residency afterwards. And that can take, you know, four, around four years, maybe even longer if you have to do a couple internship, internships first. Okay, so that's how I'm going to get the eight-year number. Okay, because I've heard other vets takes around eight years. So interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Do you know the average, I mean, and I'm totally throwing this out there, but the average cost of someone maybe wanting to go into vet school? I know I'm totally putting you on the spot, but mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I, I really know. can't tell you. Um, I know there's a big range. You know, I know people who went to private school for undergrad and then went to private school for vet school and they take, you know, over $250,000 in debt. But then, you know, some people, they get scholarships and they go to their in-state vet school and it's not as expensive, you know. So there's a big you know, big variety of how much people have to take out. Wow. Okay. So you're, you're in Thailand. You figure out that, wow, I'm like really screwed here in the U.S. <laughs> uh, so what else? What, are you, what, are, what is the group of students doing in Thailand and uh, Vietnam? Um, so we were doing a lot of um, community service work. Uh, we're doing spay neuter clinics um, for the most of it, uh, just because there's a huge stray population there, and um, rabies is a big problem in um, Thailand and Vietnam. So, um, especially in the in the villages, because they, you know, the community they love animals there, and so they feed the dogs and feed the cats, and they have a, you know, which just adds to the stray population which, you know, if there's a lot of them, rabies is an issue. So we did a lot of spay and neuters. Um, but, you know, outside of that, we did some, you know, obviously some learning. We went to some wildlife centers. We um, did some sightseeing, of course. Um, and we even did some, like, sometimes we taught the communities. Um, obviously, you know, we, like I myself wasn't the one speaking the Vietnamese or the Thai, but, you know, we were there to, like, help with, you know, some of the children and, teach them like what to do if you get bit by a dog, you know, stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Can you throw out a little Vietnamese or Thai for me? I just have to hear it. You should just, you could probably oh, just make this um, up. I'd have no idea. Okay. So come on is thank you. I said that a lot. Okay. Um, that's in Vietnamese. Okay. Yeah. What about some Thai? I mean, I'm so hungry right now. Thai oh, food I've, sounds so good. I forgot it right now. Um, it's, it's been a little while since I've been there and if you don't practice, it just goes away. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Was it a pretty friendly culture there? Were they nice to you? 
Oh yeah, they they were so friendly, and you know we were we did some research too, and we were going um, door to door, um, doing like surveys about about rabies, and um, you know just uh, getting some like baseline data. And when we were going door to door to people's houses, they just they were so friendly. Like as soon as I walked through the gate, they'd you know offer me some tea. They'd say like, oh sit down, like you know they'd just say like, oh you know. You're, you know, thank you so much for coming. They were, they were so, so um, thankful for us there, and they were so friendly. Wow. Okay. And they had the best food. Oh my gosh, the food was so good there. Really? Are you a really picky eater, or are you like eat everything? I, I love eating everything. I love spicy food. So I was in heaven. It was great. Did you eat any exotic meats there while you were in the Thailand? I did. I had. Um, a lot of insects. Those are the things that grossed my friends out. What? I ate the, um, yeah, like the crickets and the the grubs. I don't know what they were called, but yeah, I tried those. We went to like a little street food market and I ate, I ate them. <laughs> what, were, were they good? Were they fried? Were they raw? Fill us in. Yeah, yeah, they were they were fried or grilled or something, and they had a lot of seasoning on it. And not gonna lie, they kind of taste like shrimp. That's just putting it out there. Really? Tastes like shrimp if you like shrimp. You might like them. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, I don't like shrimp. I don't think I'd be a huge insect person. Oh, too bad. I did <laughs> eat a fried grasshopper once, but there was a lot of tequila involved at the restaurant. So it was like, <laughs> it went down like, it was, I was like, oh, it's great. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. <laughs> anyway. And I tried the fruits, too. The fruits were completely different from, you know, what we have here in the U.S. I um, mean, you know, I can't even pronounce half the names, but um, there was... The, the one fruit durian, have you heard of it? No. It has a very strong smell, and it's actually banned from a lot of airports because of it. I, I believe, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but yeah, it's a lot of people either love it or hate it, and I tried that, and I it was all right for me. What is yeah. it? Wait, wait, wait. If it's banned because it stinks so much, it stinks yeah. so bad? Okay, what does it smell yeah. like? Does it smell like a rotting carcass or... Uh, a little bit. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. You just have to smell it. There's nothing you could think about, like an oyster bar. Uh... Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit rotten. Oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm so good on that. <laughs> okay. Um, you. Also... I had to try it because I'm I'm super adventurous. So you know, I I want to try everything once if I can. Absolutely. Okay. And you also, I saw on your Instagram, you interacted with an Asian elephant. Oh, life goals. Yes. How was that? At Kasetsart University, that was in Thailand, and uh-huh. they have a lot of rescue elephants there that, you know, people, like, sometimes they get injured because of people, um, sometimes they're, you know, they're orphaned, um, and so they I rescue a lot of elephants there, and um, when I was there, we got to see it and, you know, interact with it, learn about it, and it was really cool. They, they're a lot smaller than the African elephants, which surprised me, because those were the first ones I had ever seen in my life. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Okay, if you had to pick one or the other, what was, what would you prefer, South Africa or Thailand? Oh, that's that's such a hard decision because they were so different. You have to do it. Um, <laughs> what would you pick? Let's see. I don't know. I'd probably pick South Africa, just because we got to, we got to see a lot more exotics, and you know it's. Thailand was a lot dog and cat spay neuters and stuff, which, you know, was great. But I definitely love my exotics that I got to see in, in South Africa. 
So you're currently, like we mentioned, Texas A&M. How much longer do you have, or how much longer do you have left of vet school? I have a year left. So right now, um, I'm just finishing my third year of veterinary school, and our fourth year is um, all rotations. So um, all of our tests are over. We're just working in the hospital, going from rotation to rotation. So like one one um, couple weeks, we'll do like ophthalmology, then we'll do surgery, then we'll do you know, a diagnostic imaging. So we go through these rotations and basically learn our respective um, units of uh, information. Uh, But then I'm in the alternate track, which basically means um, it's not something that really fits into their curriculum. So they let you do some more externships. And I have some great externships planned that I cannot wait for. Um, I have some, I have one scheduled at the Dallas Zoo, the Fort Worth Zoo. Wow. Yeah, um, I have one at the Toronto Zoo, Texas Avian and Exotic Hospital, which is in Grapevine, Texas. Um, I can tell you more about that later, um, but they have great exotic veterinarians there. And then uh, one at OSU, Oklahoma State University, with their exotic department. So you're going to do all of that, or do you have to pick one, or are, are you applying to all of those? Oh, I do all of those, yeah. Wow! Oh. Uh, two weeks at each, I think. Oh my gosh. Okay, so... I mean, be honest with the audience. If someone young or even old is listening to this, they want to pursue vet school. I mean, is it is it pretty difficult? To be honest, yeah, it's really hard. You have to be good at learning how to study, you know, not goofing off too much. Um, you know, I thought undergrad was hard. It's nothing compared to vet school. You know, first year, especially when you're still getting into the hang of things you know, and you're in an anatomy lab, like, you constantly smell a formaldehyde because you're just like in the anatomy lab 24-7 and learning how to dissect specimens and, you know, no like no amount of studying is going to help you get an A on all of your exams just because that's how hard it is. So you got to pick your battles and just try as hard as you can. Wow. I, do you do do you do study groups? I did a lot, especially first year with anatomy, just because it's one of those subjects you have to kind of work through. Like you you know, find a nerve and identify it and then find a muscle group and break it down. And that's um, a lot easier to do when you're in a group. Um, for some of the other subjects, like physiology, like more like textbook things, I'm better at reading those and mm-hmm. like reading a chapter to understand it. So Yeah, I always tell people to get into study groups. I had to have it. I I was great at the science. Well, I wouldn't say great. I was decent at the science stuff, but the math and the chemistry just, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, throw me off a bridge. Mm-hmm. I like, but I, oh my God, I was, <laughs> I lived at the university. I feel your pain. Yeah. I know that's nothing. It's compared. hard. You know, you pull some all-nighters, you know, only sleep a couple hours a night for a while. And there's a lot of exams. Like in undergrad, I thought having an exam every couple of weeks was hard. Yeah. In vet school, you'll have two exams a week, oh. like Monday and Friday. And so you, you, there's literally no break. Like you finish one exam, cram for the weekend, take the test on Monday, cram for the rest of the week. And it's just a cycle. Like it's, you know, it's, it's brutal, but then you get through it and it gets a lot easier. Yeah. I remember looking at myself in the mirror in the bathroom being like, Corbin, you got this. There is a light at the end of this awful tunnel of organic Mm -hmm. chemistry. One day. <laughs> Organic chemistry. I had to take that one twice. <laughs> really? Well, that's, and I'm happy you yeah. said that. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Sometimes you, ha- sometimes you have to do that. I mean, that's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. It's not impossible. Like even if you, if you have to take a class the second time, like I actually, I took, I took it the first time and I had a really hard semester and I actually dropped it. I didn't 
finish the class. Yeah. And then I took it, you know, the next year and I got an A. So like, you know, you can always, you know, say, hey, you know, this semester is really hard and just try again. And it's not the end of the world if you have to drop a class. Don't do it for every class. But <laughs> if you have to pull one, then it, that's fine. Yeah. Do you have any other study tips? Let's see. Definitely the study groups, like you said. Those mm. help a lot, especially with organic chemistry. I think that's what made the difference between my first and second time taking it. Mm -hmm. I just made a study group. We get, became really close friends and you do. You know, just went over and over and over all of those reactions um, just to the point where it's basically muscle memory. So. I love it. And it's like, and you're going through the struggle together and you become a family. And I'm still friends with my O'Kim yeah. study group on Facebook. And now yes. people are married and you know what you should do. So I decided to introduce potlucks during study group. It was amazing. Or barbecues. Everyone brings a dish. That's smart. Yeah. I, I need to start doing that. <laughs> they will love you for yeah. it. Trust me. Corbin's pasta salad. <laughs> anyway, we're so off topic. Okay. So uh, where do you see yourself? You have a year left of vet school. Where do you see yourself? Do you want to work at a zoo? Do you want to work at like a, a wildlife reserve in South Africa? What is your dream job? Well, um, I did do kind of like an externship at Texas Avian and Exotic Hospital. And I have to say like the standard of medicine there just blew my mind away. Like they run everything so well and it's so much fun to be there and work with them that I feel like they kind of pushed me towards that kind of job being my dream job just because I had such a great time um, being with them you know it's different because you know with um, exotic pets coming in you you know you're dealing with owners and you know you do what the owners pay for while at a zoo you know, it's you. It's kind of different. Like it's more of like a herd health thing where you're managing animals and you know you do what the zoo pays for, I guess. But it's you, there's not much client interaction with zoos, so it's it's really different. Um, I can't say I've had much experience with zoos, so I can't say I don't like it. But I can say I did really like the um, how um, Texas Avon Exotic Hospital worked. Okay, what is the most exotic animal that you've ever seen come into that? hospital most exotic the one where you were like hey I, Teresa come in the back this guy is this <laughs> I think the, the really cool one that we got to see was a bald eagle wow. just because you don't you never see them really here in Texas I mean I'm sure people people see them because that's where it was but I've never seen one before and then one came in because it had an injury and you know the rehabber brought it to us to fix it and it was just really cool to see on up close because you know, they, their talons are insane. They're it's like really cool. Grizzly bear claws. It's insane. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be really cool to work at a clinic like that. Um, you know, in the future, I'll probably have to do like an internship um, and then a residency. We'll see where that leads me. Um, I think they're opening up one in the future. So I'm crossing my fingers. Going to apply to that. <laughs> well, your luck has been pretty good. So Rachel, just kind of wrapping this interview up, any other last words of advice, encouragement for people? I do get, I mean, listeners will, will, will message me and be like, I am in college now and I just, it is so frustrating and I'm barely passing and I feel overwhelmed. Or we get people who apply for programs and they never hear back. I mean, anything, any tips, any words of encouragement, please share. I would just say like, never give up. Like, you know, it's hard. Undergrad's hard, vet school's hard. You're going to hit a point where you think you can't, you know, take one more test and you're just struggling to get by. But um, I can tell you I've been there and 
it gets better and just keep pushing forward even if you're you know not feeling the best that day you know it it, it life goes on and it will it will get better and if you keep on trying then they'll notice that so even if it takes one or two applications you know you can only go up from there yeah I love that. I love that. And then people listening to this interview, they can follow your blog, correct? Where where can they find that blog? What is the website? Yes. It is I think exoticpetvet.home.blog. And I, I don't update the blog as much as I do my Instagram, and I know there's a link from my Instagram to the blog, but yeah, that's where they can find me. Mhm. That's awesome. And I'll include the links in the show notes, but I just uh mm-hmm. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time. It's I've never actually had an interview with someone on Skype with a ball python. It's kind of cool. Oh, well, Lucy's so glad to be here, too. She was such a good girl. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I love them. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.